There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. And today is uh, Veterans Day, so first and foremost, we extend our warmest regards to the veterans and their families. It's a celebration of our true heroes the courageous men and women who have served our nation with honor. It's their sacrifices that were made in the name of freedom and security that are the pillars upon which this nation stands. And we're, we're just proud. We're proud of those who spend so much time in service of everyone, so selfless. In remembering the sacrifices of our veterans, we recognize those who upon their return have answered the call once again, the ones who are serving as police officers and firefighters and healthcare workers and first responders. They're our hometown heroes. And it's the kind of bravery and dedication of our veterans that help us to see who the real heroes are because they're not the basketball stars and they're not the singers and dancers or the football players. They are the men and women who consistently serve mankind and humanity. I do have to add a name to our list of casualties. The Department of Defense announced the death of a soldier who was supporting Operation Inherent Resolve. Staff Sergeant Felix, or Felix rather, A. Berrios, age 33, of Houston, Texas, died on November 3rd at Al Udaid Air Base in Qatar. They're saying that so far it looks, they have an investigation undergone, which is why we weren't able to talk about it last week. Uh, it is a non-combat related incident. He was assigned to the 25th Signal Battalion, 160th Signal Brigade, the U.S. Army Network Enterprise Technology Command, that's NETCOM, in case you were wondering what NETCOM stood for, at Al Udaid Air Base in Qatar. So we pay honor to Staff Sergeant Felix Berrios, and of course to his family. And we had a local West Palm Beach native who was standing watch, security watch, aboard the USS Nimitz. Uh, U.S. Navy Master at Arms Seaman Arsenio Najero Maldonado from West Palm Beach. He's aboard that aircraft carrier, and they're in danger's way right now. But I just thank the men and women who maintain our advantage at sea and everywhere else. U.S. Navy sailors serve and protect from all over the globe. And every sailor got their start somewhere. And Master at Arms Seaman Arsenio Maldonado got his start in West Palm Beach for Florida. So hopefully maybe a fellow that knew him growing up or someone in his family gets to hear this. And we thank you for raising a, a real man. That's all I'm going to say. 
I also want to remind everybody that this is the weekend for uh, PJTN's Taking Back America's Children Summit. I had my friend uh, and, of course, the, the founder, Lori Cardoza-Moore, on the show, I think it was last week or the week before. But this event is going to be an informational seminar, and what it's designed to do is educate, motivate, and equip parents and patriots with the strategies they need to reclaim America's classrooms. Because in spite of everything you heard about, oh, it was a t catastrophe for the MAGAs and the blah, blah, blah in the Tuesday election, in fact, school boards flipped again. We had more conservatives, even in Virginia, where there were some uh, negative res results for the Republican Party, not so in the school board. They are retaining seats in Loudoun and other counties in Virginia, plus uh, getting more seats. As a matter of fact, they took two seats away from some really crummy human beings. One was a former DA. I don't want to get into any more detail than that because thank goodness she's now history. But come ready to learn from the top leadership in the country right now uh, that's helping school boards to flip, helping parents to make that jump into the political and public forum to help their children. This event is supported by uh, the National Christian Foundation, Save the West, Dot com by Jexit, by the Martin T. Party, where I spoke the other day, and Stewart, um, Grassroots for America, and the Leadership Institute. So if you want to know more about it, when it's going to be, where it's going to be, it's going to be on Saturday, and it's in Boca Raton, just go to the website, and that's easy to find. It's pjtn.org, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, pjtn dot org i'd like to i'd like to think that a bunch of joyce kaufman people will be at that event especially if you keep asking me well what can we do what can we do that's what you can do get educated and get yourself elected to positions where you actually have some power and some clout in your community and that mostly happens at local levels i also want to say thank you to the uh, people who got together last night here in my hometown to have a celebration of life, but not a celebration. It was an important occasion for people to get together and say that no matter what happens, we're going to stand in alliance with democracies and we're going to show the world, particularly a lot of the Jewish uh, people in my community, they're showing the world that they're, they're not gonna stop. They're not gonna stop supporting Israel and they're not gonna stop living their lives. Remember after 9-11, that was the most important thing that I told my listeners is, look, the terrorists want you to cower and whimper and hide. But that's not what we do. We stand. As a matter of fact, we stand more firm. They come at us and we respond with courage. So we did have an event and there's some great bands and great singers and a raffle and all kinds of good stuff and uh, money was raised that's going to the IDF, to the Israeli Defense Forces, as well as to a charity that funds a lot of life-saving equipment and, and just resources to people who are living under siege. You know, all I hear about is uh, the, if you watch the mainstream media, it's like uh, the, these poor Palestinians. Well, 
I don't think uh, life for Jews in Israel right now is uh, nice at all. You know, rockets are raining down on them. Their sons and daughters and uh, husbands and wives and mothers and fathers are being taken off to fight in a war that they didn't call for, a war that was foisted upon them. And so I think there's plenty of, plenty of misery to go around. But there's also a resilience of the people. And that's what you're seeing more and more of. And, and I'm grateful for that. And, and you need to stay resilient. That's what, uh, what was her name? Uh, oh, my goodness. I read her piece the other day on the air. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, my mind just went completely blank on her name. But I'll find it. I'll find it. Bacha Unger Sargon. Boy, sometimes I have to like, it's almost as if I tap my head, my forehead with my finger and re-engage my brain. It's okay. As long as that keeps working, I'm going to keep doing it. I will tell you one story because this is what, this really encapsulates what I think about the left. There's a guy who apparently must live for moments when he thinks he can actually see me in person somewhere and I wouldn't call him a stalker, but he just likes to appear places where I'm going to be speaking and then to try and um, ambush me when I leave these places or even while I'm speaking sometimes. And last night he did that. He was waiting outside and, you know, they think they're so clever. What's wrong with the people on the left is that they bought their own lies, you know, so they think they're very clever and they think that somehow you're not, you know. And so I walked out and the first question, of course, they always start with a question. And he asked me the question, well, where were you trained as a journalist? And I said, I'm not a journalist. Never said I was a journalist. Well, that's true because, and then he went into this diatribe about how he didn't like the statement that I made at the beginning of the event. And I said, oh. Okay, you don't have to like it, you know. And then he proceeded to tell me, and this is how the left always does it, right? He wants to tell me how lots of Jews don't like Benjamin Netanyahu or Donald Trump. Like they can't resist, no matter what you're talking about, they have to throw in Donald Trump, right? So I said, well, I'm sure there are lots of people who don't like Bibi Netanyahu. And I tried to keep it on that subject. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, I forgot what the term was he used, but his implication was that, you know, only stupid people like Donald Trump, knowing full well that he knows I'm a Trump supporter. So I said, you know what? I'm not having this conversation with you. And I started to make my way towards my car. And he said, well, I knew you wouldn't have this conversation. I said, you know, so I turned around, I looked at him and all I kept thinking was, and I didn't have to say it because the look must've been on my face. You are so pathetic. The idea that you somehow planned this whole thing out in the hopes of what? Did you think you were going to ruin my day? I think I ruined yours. And and how pathetic that you want to stand here and defend Hamas to me. You know, good luck with that. And he kept, it's so funny. They're they're just, they're so pathetic. And, And I just... You know, it's like a Vivek Ramaswamy being pathetic in that uh, debate or any of the others who were up on that stage. They're all pretty pathetic, but 
I just, you know, I send this out because I'm positive, I'm absolutely sure that he's listening. And all I can say to people like that is, you really need to get a life. And if you don't like me or you don't like my show or you don't like things that I say, for goodness sake, just go away. I won't miss you. I promise. Don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can participate in all the contests, listen to all the various podcasts, whatever you want to listen to and get storm alerts and news alerts all the time right on your phone or on your computer. And if you don't want to download an app, don't forget to check out the website periodically so you can also participate in those things. It's 850WFTL.com. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, I can tell you one thing for sure, and that is that this uh, courtroom in New York is one of the most embarrassing and yet another example of how the left is completely unhinged when it comes to Donald Trump. You have this Judge Engerin, or what Engerin, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, I could care less, because he'll be history after this uh, case. He just got a letter slapping him from Representative Elise Stefanik, the Republican out of New York. It's a judicial complaint over his inappropriate bias and judicial intemperance in this case against the former president. Anybody who's watched any of this case, and I haven't been able to watch much, but I've seen a couple of outtakes from it. And this guy started out mugging for the camera. He's bizarre. His behavior has been seriously bizarre. And then they have literally dragged the former president of the United States, the future president of the United States, and his three adult children they dragged them through the mud for a non-jury trial, a trial that allows the judge, who has already decided that the defendant is guilty of fraudulently overstating the worth of his real estate holdings. And the only reason for this trial at all is to decide just how badly he's going to be punished, how much money it's going to cost him. And here's a, here's a judge, first and foremost, where does he get come off evaluating the value of Mar-a-Lago? He, he said it was somewhere between 18 and $27 million. Good luck with that. I know what properties are selling for on the island. Properties far less um, developed, let's say, than Mar-a-Lago. Just the beachfront property in and of itself is probably worth $25 million. I mean, I can't find a realtor or a real estate expert here in South Florida who doesn't think that the estimates this judge threw out there are ridiculous. And it just shows how bad 
his judgment was in the first place. He should have sent this case, if he believed it was a legitimate case, to the judges in the commercial division. There, they at least would have had some knowledge of what the property's worth. Instead, the whole country is looking at New York's judicial system the same way that Russia and China are looking at the president. Just, we know that, that, uh, that the person is just uh, biased. We know that the person is just, uh, it's so tragic to me. Gag orders on the former president of the United States and his legal team, mind you. There was a gag order on them as well. This is a man who his clerk is a major Democrat donor and an operative, actually, who has apparently donated more than you're even allowed to, to donate when you are a member of a judge's staff in New York. It is absolutely illegal and it's un-American for this judge to order that President Trump and his legal team can't raise any issues about the law clerk who has obviously um, broken the rules, if not the law, especially when it's very obvious that she played a pretty important role in this case. And this is a pattern by Democrats all over the country. Muzzle any defendant, let alone the leading presidential candidate, the one who's leading in all the polls against the corrupt Joe Biden, and Republicans can't even come together. They really can't, which is so sad. It is time. You know, if everyone shows their obvious disdain for President Trump on the left, it is time for the people in his own party to say enough. It's enough. You know, every single defendant has a right to confront their accusers. That's, that's obvious, right? This judge is so corrupt and so unethical that it's pretty certain that whatever decision comes out of this courtroom, this kangaroo courtroom, it's going to get reversed. <laughs> yeah, this is a judge who said on the record, no, I'm not here to hear what, what President Trump has to say. Really? Then what'd you call him here for? <clears throat> of course you're here to hear what he has to say. These are matters that will be taken up in a very formal manner. There's a commission on judicial con conduct, and they're going to have to examine this letter from uh, Representative Stefanik. And the New York Attorney General's office is looking to get $250 million in financial penalties, right, and a ban on Trump and his executives doing business in the state. Do you think that people who live in New York and are burdened by excessive taxes, that they really want this to happen, that they want to drive Donald Trump and his empire out of New York? Because I assure you, if Ron DeSantis wasn't running against him, he'd want that business to come here. I'd want that business to come anywhere I live. Instead of thinking that a $250 million financial penalty is going to prove anything other than you are a partisan piece of poop. That's it. But that's where we are. It's not just there. I saw it, you know, with this this dude who wanted to get into a confrontation with me. That you know that they have completely lost their minds and lost the arguments 
when they just keep repeating themselves in spite of the fact that what they're saying doesn't make any sense whatsoever and that it's not moving you, you know? It's like, uh, it's amazing. You know, I think of the AOCs and the Rashida Talibs and the, all of these harpies, really, forgive me, but that's what they are, who stand around uh, thumping their chests and thinking they're so self-important because they have, you know, a, a couple of dozen sycophants that approve of their behavior. But most of the country, and actually most of the world, except for maybe some socialist leaders and some dictators in South America, look at them and think to themselves, well, maybe America got it wrong. Like maybe you should be a little more selective about the candidates you put forward. Look, I think anybody should be able to run. And anybody who wins in a legitimate, in a legitimate election should be allowed to serve unless they do something which violates ethical or moral or legal standards. I assure you, I believe Rashida Tlaib has done that. I believe Ilhan Omar has done that. And I'm pretty sure AOC has done it as well. We know that uh, Jamal Bowman did, but that's okay. Because all of this becomes cumulative. Stop listening to the mainstream media that keeps telling you, oh, he can't win. Trump can't win. They got to get away from Trump. Everybody needs to get away from Trump. I listen to it all the time, particularly on the show before Dan Bongino on Brian Kilmeade, right? That show can find every single Republican who used to work for the Bushes to say, oh, Donald Trump can't win. Donald Trump can't win. They were saying that in 2016, mind you. Karl Rove and Thiessen, all those guys, oh, he can't win. There's no way he can't win. He can't win. The, they said he couldn't win the night he won. Okay? So stop. Stop listening to them. You don't have to listen to me. But I was right and they were wrong. Let me take a quick break. I'm hoping we'll be able to talk with Derek in the final segment of the show, but I still have much more to say. Stay right where you are. So there's plenty of uh, blame to go around these days. Uh, Derek will not be with me today because apparently he has to watch his children. It's Veterans Day. And he, he did not go into work, which is pretty interesting because there was a time when dads were not expected to do you know, babysitting when schools were closed, and that's just not true anymore. And I'm glad, because I think it's, uh, it's everybody's responsibility in the family to raise children. And watching dads like my son step up in this manner, I think is a good thing, especially good for young boys who get to watch this and won't behave the same way that prior generations really did. So, you know, there's so many s stories that have kind of like just slipped by me because, of course, we've been pretty obsessed with what's going on in the Middle East. Um, for a period of time, we were pretty obsessed with what we saw happening in Washington with a Congress that looks, for the most part, pretty dysfunctional. I think there's been some quieting of all that, primarily because uh, the new Speaker of the House, he apparently has quite a command 
over different parts of his Republican caucus, which is refreshing. Because I don't know that Kevin McCarthy did. I know that Paul Ryan didn't. And it's good to see. Uh, and this guy seems to be doing it all with a great deal of, of spiritual. And that, of course, is going to please me. But there was some kind of crazy news that I haven't gotten around to. And one of the most crazy newses, newses was the world population figure is in. I think we've like even stopped looking at stuff like that because it just seems so incredible. So my question to you is, do you feel crowded? Because the US Census Bureau just estimated that the population of the world, the whole world, just passed 8 billion people. And they're living a lot longer, which is why the fact that there are fewer births doesn't seem to be slowing down the population growth. The global population exceeded the $8 billion, $8 billion, $8 billion number threshold on September 26th, according to a precise date that the agency says, well, that may be the actual date, and you, know, you can take that with a grain of salt. The United Nations estimated the number was passed 10 months ago, having declared November 22nd, 2022, the day of 8 billion. Well, that's over a year ago. And of course, it's due to the fact that countries count their people differently, and some countries don't count them at all. Some countries don't have systems that record the birth or the death of their citizens. And I'm talking about some pretty populous countries like India, Nigeria, they don't have censuses in a 10-year period like we do. We have census every decade. So the world continues to grow. We went from 6 billion to 8 billion since the turn of the millennium. And then I guess we slowed down. We did double the population between 1960 and 2000. And of course, we're living much longer, or at least it seems as though the trend is to the median age around the world. Because you see, we think in terms of America, right? Like here, people live into their 80s, 90s, and 100s. We see it a lot, and in certain other countries. But the global median age, how, you know, what the majority of people what their age is, is now 32, and it's going up. They're saying it should be continuing an upward trend towards 39 in the year 2060. Now, places like Canada, countries like Canada, they've been aging with a declining older age mortality, but countries like Nigeria have seen dramatic declines in the death of children under five, which is a good thing. And fertility rates, the, you know, that's what Alex Berenson talks about and what Naomi Wolf, Dr. Wolf talks about. The rate of births per women of childbearing age are declining, which means they continue to fall below replacement level in a lot of the world. And that contributes to this trend of you know, slower increases in population growth. Now, of course, 
the minimum number of births necessary to replace both the father and mother and keep like a neutral world population is 2.1. I know, I can't figure it out either. About three quarters of people now live in countries with fertility rates around or below that level. The countries with fertility rates around replacement level include India, Tunisia, and Argentina. I guess they really, uh, they're really having more fun in those places. About 15% of people live in places with fertility rates below the replacement level. The countries with low fertility rates include Brazil, Mexico, really? I'm surprised. The U.S. and Sweden, while those with very low fertility rates include China. Well, that's because they were told they couldn't have the babies. Uh, South Korea and Spain. Israel, Ethiopia, and Papua New Guinea rank among countries with higher than replacement fertility rates of up to five. And such countries have almost one quarter of the world's population. Only about 4% of the world's population lives in countries with fertility rates above five, and all of them are in the continent of Africa. So while you see these global, why I bring this up is because we are so busy looking at the proverbial shiny things these days, whether it's a war in the Middle East or whether it's uh, the, the dysfunction in, in our nation's capital or it's the dysfunction in uh, Europe, wh whatever it is, or it's Russia invading Ukraine or it's Syria killing its own people, whatever you're looking at, means we're not looking at things like population growth and we're not looking at things like, is there a problem? Are there places where the fertility rate is dropping and has become so low that there may in fact be a real issue for Western civilization? Because I believe there is and I believe that's going to continue. <coughs> and I'm not so sure that the uh, COVID shot, the COVID jab didn't contribute to that, not just here, but in other countries. But they were not allowed to talk about that. Don't be a conspiratorialist, okay? Don't do it. Today, uh, we heard from one of the big, uh, big fundraisers, big donors in the political arena, was a big donor, by the way, um, for Donald Trump. Peter Thiel has declared that he is taking a break from democracy. I don't know what that means, but it isn't clear. Uh, he's no friend of the media. He is, of course, the co-founder of PayPal and uh, Palantir. He's a big-time techno-libertarian guy, bo boogeyman of the left. The left can't stand him. But he gave an interview to The Atlantic magazine, and he wanted the author of the article to promise that he was going to clearly state, that it's Barton Gelman, by the way, who wrote the article, and he's gonna clearly state that he is not going to participate and give money to any politician, including Donald Trump in the next presidential campaign. And of course, you can imagine, uh, that he's been accosted by the wrath of Trump. He's not taking Donald Trump's calls, but he did, uh, the president did get a hold of him 
by telephone, and he reminded Teal that he had backed two of Teal's protégés, Blake Masters and J.D. Vance, in their Senate races last year. Teal had given each of them more than $10 million, and now Trump wanted him to give him $10 million, and Teal said no. And Trump said, well, I'm very sad, very sad to hear that. And that's how the call ended. Well, we'll see. Months later, word got back to Teal that Trump had called Masters to discourage him from running for Senate again and said something very unflattering about Mr. Teal. Well, that's, you know, you know what to expect. He's not going to be giving money, and that's okay. I think he has a husband, Peter Teal. I'm not sure because... I read an article that his, his husband said that he's not allowed to make any donations. I don't know. You know, nothing surprises me at all. Men have husbands, women have wives. I get it. But do they really have all the same dynamics where your husband tells you what you can and cannot donate to, even if you're both guys? I don't know. I guess I'm finding that out. Anyway, let me take this... Uh, this final break today, Derek will not be able to join us. He is going to be, I guess, playing Monopoly with his kids because it's Veterans Day. And uh, in honor of Veterans Day, the schools are closed. And moms and dads who aren't extraordinarily rich, like my son, um, are struggling trying to figure out who gets to watch the kids. But see, if you've got plenty, you can do it. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. After that, Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, and then we're in the weekend, and I couldn't be any happier than that. In the meantime, I have one segment left today. Please stay right where you are. Oh, oh my goodness. All this technology really doesn't, half the time doesn't work. <laughs> And I just get frustrated, but that's okay because bleeding and everything will be just fine. So there's apparently going to be a Musk biopic and Aronofsky is going to direct it. I seem to have this real um, penchant for books about Elon Musk. You know, uh, I am... Definitely a big fan of the book that uh, Walter Isaacson, who wrote the authorized biography of Elon Musk, which was just came out in September. That's the book that they're going to use as the basis for the screenplay. I remember the book that that Walter Isaacson wrote about Steve Jobs, and then that's the book they made the movie about Steve Jobs about. And all I'm going to say is I'm not going to I'm not going to condemn it and I'm not going to make fun of it yet. But if it's as crappy as the movie about Steve Jobs was, I'm I'm, I'm going to be sad because the book is quite good. Um a lot of people wanted to make this movie by the way. Uh, I saw this movie that he made, Aronofsky made the book, uh, the movie The Whale. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, Brandon Fraser who uh, played the part of this 
overweight guy who uh, who literally hid behind a, a Zoom camera. Well, not he didn't let himself be seen on Zoom, but he was teaching over Zoom, and he was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was an interesting movie, a very interesting movie, kind of surreal. Um, and the only reason I actually watched it was because two of Aronofsky's movies that I really liked in the past, one was called Requiem for a Dream. And if you didn't see that movie, you really have to rent it. It's it's very disturbing, <laughs> I will tell you that. But it's a brilliant, brilliant film. He also made Black Swan, which I'm less a big fan of, although it is quite an interesting movie, and the movie Mother, which I thought was phenomenal. He was nominated for a Best Director in the Black Swan, which earned uh, Natalie Portman, got a, uh, an Academy Award for that. But this book that, he, that um, Isaacson wrote about Elon Musk hasn't gotten a lot of attention in spite of the fact that Elon Musk spends a lot of time on the front pages of the news. So I did read it. I have not even asked for an interview with the author. It takes me a while with a book like that to digest whether or not there's any point <laughs> having an interview with the author. Um, so we'll see. But I sure would be interested to see if Aronofsky makes that film, if he makes it as interesting as some of his other films, it would be, it would be, a, good, it'd be a great story. Anyway, that's that's my my take on movies. SAG-AFTRA, it's over. They re reached a deal, and apparently Fran Drescher, who was the head of SAG-AFTRA, the union, got over a billion dollars. Nobody can believe she pulled it off, but she did. So the nanny is apparently a lot uh, more business savvy than anybody had any idea. I ended up not sounding like the nanny, though, when I just did that. It's okay. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time, I will be back on Monday if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. Stay well, stay safe, and I'll see you on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.